0: Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I am the author of Saving You is Killing Me and the creator of SYKM. And I'm so happy that you're here. Although I do wish we were meeting under different circumstances. And I say that all the time because it's so true. But this platform is all about helping you so that you can take back your power, so you can tap into your resources, so you can you know, make the most of your life that you're in, so you can stop letting someone else's problem destroy you or change the way that you would live your life. And so we are here to help lift you up. I am here, I created this whole platform um, so that it can help you kind of put the pieces of your broken heart back together. And this is whether you're still with your addicted loved one, whether you have a child who is the addicted addicted loved one in your life, or whether, you know, even if you've been discarded or you've been, you know, you're on the roller coaster, or you're back and forth or wherever you are on this process, on this journey, we are here for you and we focus on you and not your addicted loved one. And that's what the podcast, the book, the, the support group here is all about. So I wanted to come on to extend a personal invite. So I am wrapping you in love. And I do wish that we were meeting under different circumstances. And I always say that to my community is that, you know what? You're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. This is such a hard thing to navigate. And sometimes... I always say I used to have troubles talking to my friends about it because I was worried they'd judge me if I ended up going back to him and then leave and back and complain. And I was actually embarrassed and and I call this secondhand embarrassment where I was embarrassed of his addiction. I was embarrassed about his behavior. And and so I took it on as my own. So I actually um, didn't talk to a lot of my friends about what was going on. And and I was sort of protecting the subject matter and down playing it. And so I had secondhand shame, secondhand embarrassment for his behavior. So I felt very alone. So I don't want you to feel that way. That's why I created this community. I had a whole nother career, but I, I said, when I got through all this muck, I said, I am going to draw on my psychology background, draw on my resources of resilience training, and I'm going to bring it to the community so that we can help each other bounce back. So we We can become more resilient. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but I wanted to come on and and invite you personally to this 30-day me first challenge. I am so excited about it because one of the things that helped me take my power back was literally the day i decided to put me first to do me for a while and i slowly had to you know pick up the pieces of my broken heart i was literally the lowest on the totem pole because my whole life became revolved around him and his struggles and his problems um that i was losing myself i was grasping so hard to try and make things work and to get our lives back to quote normal um but his addiction kept getting worse. And I was pulled into the darkness and I was drowning myself. And there's a reason when you look at the cover of my book, you squint your eyes, you can see saving me. I purposely did that because that is what this is all about. It's all about saving you. It's all about, although what, no matter what someone else is doing in your life, you need to focus on you and and look after yourself because Nobody else is going to do it. It's, it's all up to you and you need to advocate for yourself. So the first step to taking back your power and finding the courage to do that is to actually put yourself first. Right. I know I lost my sparkle. I felt so alone. I felt like I'd lost myself. I didn't even know, like, I had a feeling of loss, but then also I felt lost. I was like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Um, and so I was drowning myself. I was losing myself. And I desperately was needing some sort of support. And so I couldn't live like that, that anymore. And you might be at a breaking point. You might be saying enough is enough. Maybe you've been discarded and you're trying to put the pieces back of your life together. Maybe you've left your addicted loved one. Maybe you're still in it. Maybe you're trying to make things work. Maybe they're in, they're um, you know, in treatment. Maybe, you know, wherever you are, you are needing to put yourself first. There is a, a self-care, self-compassion, courage, and community are the four C's, the SYCM four C's to help put your life back together. And so we are going to have so much fun on this 30 Day Me First Challenge. I know it seems crazy and you're not selfish. By the way, you're not selfish. Putting yourself first isn't being selfish. It's just prioritizing your well being. Everyone else in your life will still be, get taken care of for sure. But right now, we're prioritizing your well being and your resilience. And I created this whole calendar. It's so fun. And every single day for 30 days in September, we're gonna go through, and we're gonna have these fun things that you can do that are forms of putting you first. And I'm not gonna give anything away, but there's so much fun, and it's just gonna be great. So I'm gonna do it with you as well. And so every day, you're basically like, don't be afraid to put yourself first, right? That's the problem when you love someone with an addiction. You're literally addiction comes first, right? You're right we kind of get absorbed with it. We kind of get pulled into the vortex. We, it becomes on our mind, we're worrying or maybe we're ruminating or it's like, it's like, if you love someone that has an illness, you're thinking about them all the time. Addiction is very similar, except it also comes with a whole bunch of other crazy behavior that makes it actually hard. Um, So even harder, I should say, because I'm not saying other things aren't hard. So yeah, so what we're going to do in this 30 days is find the courage to put yourself first, or even just attempt to a prioritize yourself, because that's what it's about. Every day, what I'm going to do is basically if you sign up, you're going to gain access to all the printables. So you'll get the calendar, the 30-day calendar, plus you'll gain access to all the links that are going to be all videos and audio, so you can listen to it. And then you'll discover from that calendar, all the things that you're going to do. And I am going to come... Um, you're going to have videos every single morning. I'm going to put them early enough so you can start your challenge right in the morning. And then we're going to do it live all together in September in our group. And, um, and we can see how it affects everybody. And then you can also participate and share and post, and it'll be so much fun for us to do as a community. So, but you do have to sign up. So if you go to the saving you is killing me.com website, there's the me first challenge or just do savingyouiskillingmecom saving you is killing me.com slash me first. And I'll take you right to the page. So I hope you can join us. We're going to have so much fun. I think I've said that like 20 times, how much fun we're going to have. I know it's fun because I know what we're going to do. <laughs> so I invite you to come join uh, in the joyful opportunity of putting yourself first is 30 straight days and trust me once you start doing it you kind of get this momentum like hey I I like this idea and I like you know how I feel when I do prioritize my well-being I like you know you're gonna feel so much so empowered by the end of the 30 days probably by the first day anyway so thank you so much for listening I hope you're all doing as good as can be Again, I hope you can join us. If not, even if you watch this video or you see the me first challenge and you're suddenly like, actually, you know what? I want to do it and you're late. You can still sign up. You can still sign up. You can get the printables. You can get the calendar. You could even do this me first challenge in October. You could repeat it. And actually what we might do is we might start creating new, new versions of the me first challenge too. So that's it for today. I just wanted to pop on to say hello and just to uh, invite you personally to the me first challenge. It's going to be so much fun. Let's go on a quest to put ourselves first. And uh, like we deserve, like you're worthy of this. You're worthy of self-care. You're worthy of joy. You're worthy of fun and, and just uh, enjoying this life that we're in. So sending hugs, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I'm the author of Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. And I always say I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I'm so thrilled that you're here because we have so many wonderful guests on the show. And today is no exception. I have an amazing author of Recovering in Recovery on the show. She's a clinical therapist, Shelby John. Thank
1: you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm thrilled to be here with you and with your audience. It's just so exciting to share, um, to really bring the hope and love and light that can come with the uh, life of recovery
0: yay yes and there is light and love there right and it can be good and it's you know it can be also really terrible so you know but that's life right and the idea is we have these ups and downs and so I'm so happy that you're here because I would love for you to shed light on this whole concept you talk about um, your business is all about helping people heal their trauma and helping people through your coaching practice and everything so I thought that it'd be so great for us to just to jump in like how can and you you kind of talk about building confidence and emotional sobriety and so before we get into all that, who are you Shelby? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Sure. so um I am a woman in long-term recovery I just celebrated 20 years this past July. I got sober when I was 27 years old. actually I turned 27 when I was in treatment. I chose to go to treatment or actually I was sent to treatment by my family because that's what they thought that I needed. I wasn't somebody that walked into, the program or the rooms thinking like, oh, I have this problem or, oh, I want to get well. That wasn't my story at all. Um, But I was definitely on a very destructive path that involved uh, a couple suicide attempts, a lot of heartache and pain for myself and those around me as my alcoholism just escalated. I was a depressive kind of drunk. So I was just always feeling not good enough, never um, pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, you know, for anybody around me. And that started from a young age. I just always felt like I didn't fit in. I wasn't like my fellows. and alcohol and drugs kind of made uh, my life feel okay, right? It took that chaos away that I was living with, that anxiety that I lived in constantly. And so, for me, that was my story. I just did all the things that most people who are probably on here that talk about when they're drinking too. And when I got sober, everything changed, right? Um, it wasn't easy. I spent about 18 months probably saying I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't really belong here. I didn't want any of this, but I just kept coming back because by then I was too scared not to, you know, my life had changed enough for me to get some glimmer of hope mm-hmm. and to realize that like, oh, wow. Um, Just how sick I really was. Um, In that process of recovery, there was a lot of work done, right? A ton of uh, therapy and natural wellness stuff, a lot of other outside help that I used along the way to help me build a life that I don't want to escape from today. And um, that took all of the years that it took all the way up till today. And I realized very recently, unfortunately, that that work never stops, right? I think I thought that I would somehow arrive. I remember when I celebrated my 10-year anniversary in the rooms of a 12-step program, and I was stood at the top of that room, and I was angry. You know, I was really kind of pissed off because I felt like I was still dealing with the struggles of life. I was still dealing with things that I felt like were early sobriety things. I was still dealing with kids and relationships and marriage and, you know, these things that we call life. Um, And I felt I should be further along by then. And what I've soon realized after that took a few more years, I think, is that we don't ever truly arrive. That we're always continuously doing the work and life throws us things and we um, are learning how to manage it. You know, we're learning how to manage big emotions and different. I have three teenagers in my home right now. Well, actually my oldest one just went to college and, um, it has been an emotional roller coaster, to say the least over the last four years. And, um, it's been really, really hard, probably the hardest time of my entire life. And the big emotions that come from raising children for me, from my experience are, um, sometimes insurmountable. They feel like mountains that you can never get to the top of. And um, I'm so blessed that I'm willing to always be a seeker. You know, I'm always seeking out things that are going to teach me, right? People like you, authors, podcasts, content, you know, therapy, you know, whatever I can get my hands on to help me deeper understand myself and those around me. And then also how to live in those relationships with other people in a more healthy way. And that's pretty much what I spend my life doing now. I am a therapist as well. In my private practice, I get to help women or people work through their trauma. I mostly work with people in addiction or people living with somebody or parenting somebody or um, they themselves are in recovery. And then in my coaching practice online, I get to expand that reach. And I, and I specifically work with women who are in recovery and are kind of looking for that more piece. You know, they've been sober for a little while and they're ready to do that emotional sobriety work. They're ready to step into... Kind of that self-identity work figuring out who they are, what they want now, uh, pursuing the desires over their heart, all of those things, so...
0: Oh my gosh, I'm just celebrating you in so many ways. And I love the way you put it build a life that you don't want to escape from. And that's literally what you've done. And, but then I also enjoy that you bring that part to it that you know what life is life, like there are going to be struggles in life, like nobody's immune to it. And like, you've come to realize that and, um, and then you created a whole career around it. And you're helping so many other people too. And, um, you know, and it's I love that you bring that humanness to it because yes, like even if you are in the mock of loving someone with an addiction, our listeners are, you know, some of them are parents and some of them are still in the mock. Some people are choosing to stay in the relationship and, and then some are, are leaving and some are not. So everyone's in a different place, but no matter where you are, we are not immune. And I like the way you say that we're not immune to what we call life, the stressors, the ups and downs and, And I also want to celebrate your vulnerability, sharing, um, you know, the dark, darkest point in your life and um, the challenge and that feeling of a not enoughness. And I know a lot of us feel that. Um, So what comes to mind for me is this idea of self-identity like that what happens when you love someone with an addiction is like they become your world, right? And oftentimes you end up losing yourself. And a lot of my clients, when I talk with them, it's like, I don't even know what I need. Because I always suggest start your day with saying, what am I needing? What am I feeling? What am I wanting? And sometimes they can't even get that answer. Like, what am I needing? I have no idea anymore because they've so lost themselves. So can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Sure. I hear from so many of the women that come into my world uh, that exact same thing, right? Whether they are themselves the addict or they're living with somebody or parenting somebody, it's kind of a similar thing. And I even liken it to my own experience, parenting my own children, right? As I've really begun to kind of launch them into the world. There is, and obviously we kind of knew this was coming, right? We have a lot of years to figure out that like, oh, someday they're going to be gone. And it's really important for us to figure out kind of who we are and what we are without this thing. Right. And, and so now here I am faced with that very first thing with, as she's, she's leaving and it's, it's heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. It has been very difficult for me to uh, kind of let go of her. And I can see even more. My next one's a senior this year. The next one's a freshman. So it's going to be over in, you know, four years. So, so, so things will be changing, but what I, what I see a lot of them, feeling in that in that way is a sense of loss right a loss of themselves but also feeling lost like where am i you know and what i what i try to help them do is really because it is hard sometimes you're like well what do i need and a lot of times they don't even know the words to put to that or it's kind of like feelings, right? If you don't know the feeling words, like that chart with the funny faces on it in the <laughs> therapist's office, right? If what you're do not- you mean? There's only happy and sad, I thought. Right. <laughs> if you're not familiar with those different faces and feelings, it's really tough to put words to the yeah. actual experience. And so this is a similar thing. What I often suggest to women that I come in contact with is to Consider what they used to like, you know, like kind of float back in their mind to their younger days, maybe even to childhood if they want to, when they were little. And even if you had a horrific childhood, there's usually something good, right? There was times on your bike or maybe you liked crafts or you had a grandmom that used to take you for hikes, you know, or maybe you loved sewing or cooking or Play-Doh. I mean, like whatever it is, maybe you love to play music or create art. Whatever those things are, you know, I think oftentimes we have those things as children and they really, they really say a lot about who we are or will become as adults. Not always, but we liked them at one time, right? And so I often say to them, just spend a little time kind of thinking back and maybe it's not all the way to childhood. Maybe it's before you were married or in your younger life. What did you used to like? What did you like doing? Who did you like being with? When did you feel alive, or that real joy, you know, what really lit you up? And then once you can start to write that stuff down and brainstorm about that a little bit, uh, you can begin to put that into kind of adult terms, right? What does that look like, or what could that look like today in your life? And it might look like taking a paint class or um making plans with a friend to go for a walk once a week, or re-engaging and cooking for your family. Like you've stopped doing that because you're just tired of it or for whatever reason, and like maybe the idea of shopping for cooking, planning a meal is very exciting for you. And so finding a way to re-engage in that activity, maybe even just once a week could be just the spark you need to kind of set off this whole internal fire inside of you. Right. And so I think it's just comes down to like kind of reengaging with some of the things that you used to like or love and really identifying what used to light you up and kind of make that into an adult version. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I, I And so I love that you bring this idea that um, sometimes we feel even when we love someone with an addiction, right? Whether we're still with them or not, there's still that feeling of loss because we've lost the person really that we fell in love with, or they're not themselves, or we get little glimmers of them maybe returning or, you know, hope we have hope and, or we've lost them all together. Mine just disappeared and I lost them all together. So then I did have to reinvent my life and my identity and like, what? And also because I got, pulled into the vortex and I kind of lost myself because all my attention and uh, like all my effort went into him and helping him before I knew about the addiction. So, um, So this idea of, yes, this feeling of loss, I love that you bring it up, but also feeling lost. It's like, like, where did Andrea go? Like I lost my sparkle. Like where, like it's, you do feel lost. And it's like suddenly like, and I know a lot of the patterns too for a lot of my clients is that their addicted love one just discards them. It's like, what do you mean? You're leaving me when I I sat around and stayed in so much and like put up with so much and now you're discarding me. It's like, then suddenly they're like lost. Mm -hmm. And so- this is so great that you bring it up because it really is this idea of feeling lost and having loss in your life, whether that your kids moving out or anything, it's going to like inevitably happen at some point. And we might even be feeling it now. So this, and it really marries with this idea of self identity. And then your suggestion to go back into what you used to love is such a great tip. I always say too, to my clients is like, who are you when nobody's watching? Like what Instagram feeds are you searching through? And like, what movies would you just watch or shows or like, you know, who inspires you? Who do you sort of secretly get jealous of or envious of? It's like, that's because you want more of that for you, please. I would say it's like little clues into your identity. So, I love that you have that idea too of thinking back when you're a child of what you used to love and then reinventing it into an adult way and applying it to your life somehow. That's so powerful. So, is there anything else with this idea of identity and
1: self-identity? I think the thing that also has been uh, really impactful for me personally, very recently, and I'm sure I've had this over the years, is this concept that we aren't restored to our old way. You know, sometimes I find myself saying like, "Oh, I just want to get back to normal." You know, I've had like like I said, I mentioned those 4 years. We, raising our kids has been, you know, very challenging in a lot of ways. We've had a lot of different kinds of trauma and it's been very difficult. And so, I'm not the same mom or person I was 4 or 5 years ago. I'm just not. And our family isn't the same. And so, although we are looking for stability and uh comfort and and contentment in our, in our lives, there is no back to normal, right? This is the new normal. And so one of the things that I've been kind of really marinating on myself very recently was, you know, I keep searching to get back to old, my old self or back. And instead of saying, you know, how about just saying, this is my new self you know, and what does this new self look like today in 2020? I'm 47 years old. I've been sober for 20 years. What is my new self with my kids going off to college look like? How do I want to be? And this can start leading into, I'm sure you probably do some of this too, like building that future self. What does your future self look like? Build her out. What does that look like? What is it that you want or can see yourself being, doing, seeing, listening to, Wearing, you know, in the future, and when you can spend a little time building out that future version of yourself, it helps you to really accept the fact the true fact, really, that we don't go back to who we once were. We can restore parts of us, but we're never going to be that same person again because we just aren't. We're not that same age. We don't, we maybe even have more gray hair, you know, like we're, we're just different, right? And so. Instead of that, let's say, how can we accept and build out this new self, restore yourself into, into who you are are today. And then from there, you can jump into what do I want to be, do, have all those things in the future and, and, and like create that vision board of your future self and start acting like her, you know, start acting like the kind of woman who doesn't live with an addicted spouse, if that's what you want. Start acting like the kind of woman who loves her child from a distance, right? Who understands that she can't solve her child's addiction problem, but she can love him and accept him always, no matter what, but that doesn't mean you have to fund it or you have to bring it into your home or you have to do any of those things, right? How can you live as if that kind of woman is who you are, right? So it's kind of like stepping into this version of yourself that you are today, but then really going forward and and figuring out who you want that to look like in the future
0: oh gosh this is so good this idea because yeah we always try to go back to oh my gosh I want to go back to normal I just want to feel normal especially with this pandemic right it's like I I don't feel like normal quote-unquote normal anymore it's like I wish I could go back to how I felt then so instead of saying that you're suggesting and I love this is that we're never going to be the same so no matter what just like let that go so we should all just let that go this idea of let's go back to normal we're not going to say that again But I also love this concept and I'm all about, yeah, future self visioning, not just visioning, but also embodying and like, you know, um, seeing it from how you want to be, what do you want to do? What do you want to have? And just like, you know, um, and then be her now. I love that suggestion. Act as if it's so powerful. And um, so the other thing that came to mind as you were talking is that it's almost like a plot twist. It's like looking at it like, okay, yes, like, you know, I'm never going to go back to that. Um, however, like, like let's reinvent. So I always love the word reinvention. How can, how can we, we have this opportunity now to reinvent ourselves. So like, let's make it exciting and fun. And what are we going to do? And I love that you brought up this idea of your future self. It's true. Just getting quiet and thinking about your future self, like how you want to be, and that's so powerful, right? It's just like, how do you want to be? How do you want to show up in this world? And that's one of the exercises in positive psychology, too, to kind of draw, be that, that, that be your magnet forward. So amazing.
1: It is amazing. And it also doesn't have to be complicated or hard or expensive, it can be very simple and involve just super small tiny little decisions you make consistently over time to lead to humongous transformation, right? That's how we make these kind of changes. So the quote unquote reinvent yourself doesn't mean you like dye your yeah. hair and you get a <laughs> whole new wardrobe and like you buy a new car and you're like get a new job. I mean, it could mean those things, but sometimes that's very overwhelming. So we can start with a super small thing. Like I want to be the kind of woman who moves my body every day. Okay. We can do that. We can put ourselves in the position to say, you know what, making a daily commitment to move my body for 20 minutes a day, no matter what happens. And that can look like a walk, a swim, a jog, a bike ride. It can look like playing with your kid in the, in the backyard. I mean, whatever you want it to be. And it can be longer. If you feel like you want to go longer, go longer. But your commitment is 20 minutes a day of physical movement. And so then you can be saying, Oh, actually I am the kind of woman that, that that values my physical health enough to make physical activity a part of my day every single day. Oh, and so you can go on from there. Right. So then it becomes like, well, I want to be the kind of woman who drinks a gallon of water a day. Okay, great. So that's super easy too. Like you get yourself a gallon jug from Amazon, you fill it up every single day <laughs> you watch as it goes down all day long. And then you get the little check Mark at the end that says, I did my water and I did my movement. Okay. Well, so now you're setting yourself up to be the kind of woman who is living Uh, a long longevity lifestyle full of vitality and life and health and joy, right? And maybe it's relationships. So maybe you're like, I want to be the kind of woman who doesn't allow people to take advantage of me. Okay, so what are some small steps you can do right now to start making that change in your life? And it might look like super simple boundaries. Maybe it's with somebody like your mom or your sister or your partner or somebody in your life regularly. And you start to say to them by saying to yourself, I no longer, I'm going to allow this behavior to come into my life. This is no longer acceptable to me. And so when that behavior starts happening, you shut that down, you know, and there's a lot of work around this. I'm sure you do this with your clients. I have a tiny little course on, on um, creating healthy boundaries that talks about the five areas that I think are most important. And, and you do this in super small ways. And over time it starts to build up. And then suddenly, you know, in, in, in a bit of time, you're the kind of woman who doesn't take anybody's crap right? Because you started with your mom's negativity on the telephone every time you talked to her. And when that happened, you said to her, you know what, mom, it sounds like you're getting really negative. I'm going to have to let you go.
0: So good. Oh, my gosh. And I, you're talking my language, Shelby. Like, uh, So we in the SYKM community, we highlighted the book Atomic Habits the other month. Oh and uh, so it's all about how tiny, ha- tiny habits or tiny changes make remarkable results. It has the compound effect. So exactly that. I love that suggestion. Yes, yeah, starting small. Like if you, for example, it also works in the negative. If you, if you are smoking every single day, right, you have the negative compound effect of that smoking that's not necessarily healthy for you. Whereas if, yeah, if every day we have that check mark in our habit tracker and in our calendar of, yeah, I'm drinking that kind of like water. Right. And so it's so cool. I think that's such a great suggestion. That's, that's speaking my language. So it's not about a whole reinvention. It's like new, new Andrea or a new Shelby. It's like, okay, what kind of person do I want to be? And that's exactly in his book too, um, James Clear. He talks about having that goal, but then, okay, well, what are the action steps that are going to get you closer to the person you want to be instead of having those grandiose goals it's like who what type of person do you want to be and then what are all those little action steps that that would support that and so I love that you brought that up okay so back to normal is not a thing anymore it's all about okay we're never going to be the same how can we reinvent ourselves? but maybe not use the word reinvent is um you used a different word it's just like a new self a new version of you and um it can be exciting and like and then also tapping into a future version of yourself so you can reverse engineer and be her now. I love that stuff. Okay, so what else? What else is coming up for you in terms of this idea self-identity? Seems like we're going in that direction.
1: I think a lot of it just has to do with building space. You mentioned kind of finding that quiet space. I know we hear these things in the Instagram plaques and it's easy for the influence to be like, Oh, sit quietly, you know, with yourself and, <laughs> and journal. And like, and like, and that, and that's cool. And I'm not knocking it. I, I have a very strict morning routine. That's extremely extensive. It's getting longer and longer with time. And I appreciate that because I love it. It's something that's very important to me, but it doesn't have to be, um, very dramatic at first, you know, really, we get to choose how we want that to look. And so creating some space that you can have a little bit of time with yourself is a great way to practice. So when I first got sober, I couldn't sit by myself and be quiet. I could never sit alone with any kind of um, quiet. So there always was music or TV or um, some kind of sound or reading. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even read honestly, when I was, and this took me a long time, years. So I had to physically train myself how to be be able to sit with quiet. And the reason that is, is for a lot of reasons, right? I didn't really love myself. I wasn't comfortable being with myself. I didn't like the feelings and the thoughts that I had because I had a lot of work to do on that. So as I started doing the work on that, it got easier, but things like, you know, I started turning the the radio off in the car just for a few minutes. Like I would do it for the last five minutes of my ride home. I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to turn this radio off. I'm going to practice this five minutes. And that was stressful for, at first. And I, and I would sit there and just focus on looking at my environment, looking at the colors, looking at the scenery, the other cars, noticing the leaves on the trees or the colors, and just be quiet again it was uncomfortable for me at first it was it was hard to do but it got easier with time and in the and in those moments i started to allow that still small voice that we all have inside of us some people call it god the universe spirit whatever you want to call it it's in there right and then that's when we start to get like um i think jen hadmaker or somebody calls it the knowing you know and i i love that messaging because i felt like we do have a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight deep within ourselves that oftentimes we don't give ourselves the time of day to listen to because we're so bombarded with all of the noise of the world. So I'm not trying to be all too woo woo for those of you who can't handle that quite yet, but you do have to create a small amount of, of space for yourself, call it self-care meditation, whatever you want it to look like. This is great because you get it to be the way you want I started with quietness in my car. I ramped it up to having a morning routine where I where I do some reading. I spend, I hate journaling, but I spend a little bit of time in Mel Robbins <laughs> High Five journal because it's prompted so I can follow the prompts. And then I personally use prayer and sometimes a little meditation during that time. It took me a long time to get to that space though, right? So over time, I built it up to be longer periods of time. So this could look like, you know, just... Five minutes sitting on your couch, kind of just staring out the window. It could look like a walk with no distraction. I call it walking meditation. So, yeah. So where you're just looking around, you're not taking your phone, you're not listening to anything. You're just, you're just engaging all of your senses. So all of these tools, I think, begin to allow you to identify and and discover who who you are as a person because again if you've been living in an active addiction lifestyle or you're living with somebody who is like that of course your whole life has been overturned by this person and they are your central focus it's like you mentioned uh it's like living with a chronic illness right you know like it's it's just this whole focus everything is about the cancer or the ms or the thing you know and like you almost can't help it you know and everybody around you kind of gets sucked into that too. So if you can carve out these little spaces, that's why for me I like the morning because that's the only time I, when I kids were little, I could guarantee that I was going to have time by myself. No one was going to interrupt me. It was just for me, and it was predictable. I could, I knew every day that was going to happen. So then it started to build trust in myself too. When we do these little things like in Atomic Habits, you start to create the new neural pathway in your brain that says, "Oh, oh, she does what she says she's going to do," so we can trust her when she says she's going to do this which is often very new for most people.
0: Oh my gosh, so good. So your one of your suggestions too with this self-identity is right. Sometimes we're so bombarded. We have so much going on in our mind. We have so much responsibilities and this idea of just getting quiet with yourself and being mindful in the present moment, noticing with all your senses, even if you start small like you with 10 minutes in the car. And I know I used to do walking meditations all the time. I literally had to do that to get out of my brain when I was with my addicted loved one. I go like car, tree, soil, rocks, <laughs> (laughs) Like I had to literally like point out the things so that I could get out of my mind and into the moment and um get quiet enough. I love that. And I love your verbiage too around, we get to choose. We get to choose what form of solitude or quietness or how we can just be with ourselves. We can choose what resonates with us. And you gave us so many amazing suggestions. And then when we're quiet, I love that we're open to hearing the knowing. And I always say in my yoga classes, it's almost like when we quiet the mind, it's like a calm lake. And then when you throw a pebble, you can see the ripples you can actually see the pebble being thrown but whereas if it's windy and there's like waves and everything when you throw it even if your inner voice or your knowing is trying to communicate you can't hear it and so um, I love that suggestion you shared and so I'm so curious what would just quick run through your morning routine I would love to hear it (laughs)
1: Oh boy. Okay. I'll share it with you, but I don't want anybody to feel like that this is what it has to look like. So, uh, and it has taken years to perfect this. So we get up super early in the morning. I usually am up before four o'clock. I have two dogs. They go out. I come down, I get my coffee. I drink a big glass of water before I put anything in my body. I get my coffee and I read for, um, about 15 to 20 minutes, 10 pages, at least 10 pages of a nonfiction book. And I drink my coffee. And then I use Mel Robbins journal to help me kind of get some stuff out. There's a space for free writing in there, like a small kind of paragraph. I just write some stuff. And there's also a space that I really have come to love that lists out the things you want. What do you want? And it could be sometimes mine are very large. Like I want to go to Alaska um, or I want to um, make 10K a month or whatever, I, whatever I'm working on. right? And, and sometimes it might just be like, oh, I just really want healthy relationships with my kids and my husband. Right. And then And underneath it, it shows a space for writing the steps you're going to take to get those things. How am I going to work towards that today? And that's that place where we get to say, well, you know what? I'm going to drink a gallon of water today. I'm going to move my body for at least 20 minutes. I'm going to commit to talking to 10 people in my community. You know, I'm going to talk to people, Um, whatever, whatever are the the small steps. I always compare it to, I used to run on long distance marathons and I always tell people like most people, including myself, aren't ready to run a marathon tomorrow, right? We can't do that. But if it is something that you, most people can run a marathon if you're able-bodied, most people can do that, but it takes a while. You've got to commit to, you know, a 16 or 20 week plan. And so you're not going to be able to go out tomorrow to run that marathon, but you sure can go out and get a new outfit and a new pair of running shoes. And you can go, go run half a mile or a mile. And the next day you can do the exact same thing and you build it up over time. So that's what my routine looks like. And then we go exercise. I either jog outside with the dogs and my husband, or I go to the gym. Um, either one is depending on the day of the week. And then I come back, shower, go to work. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, it's not always easy. Uh, A lot of times it's very hard. We're tired a lot. It's a long day. Um, but I also, one of the other things that I do to take care of myself every day is, um, I take a nap. Every single day, pretty much, um, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, max. I mean, I just I turn my alarm on. I lay down on my little tiny couch right here in my office, or sometimes it's in my car, waiting in a carpool line, um, and I just I just do that because it really helps my brain to rejuvenate itself for the second half of my day, and uh, it's just another way that I take care of myself.
0: So good. So good. And sometimes there's like a stigma around taking a nap, but actually science has shown that even like 20 minute replenishers are actually really powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing your personal morning routine. I was so curious and also it inspires others too. Okay. Shelby, you have been so helpful. I want you definitely to come back on because we had a whole bunch of stuff we were going to talk about we just scratched the surface. And so I think we really honed in on this idea of self-identity and kind of like, how do we get us back? But it's not about How do we get us back? It's how do we reinvent, reinvigorate, re energize our life, and almost recreate? Um, And kind of lose that idea of back to normal. And then also think about and brainstorm all those things as a child, you know, what we used to love or who we are when people aren't looking and and then reintegrate it into an adult life and then act as if. But then I think the first step is the last step that you shared with us, which is this idea of being with ourselves and kind of quieting down and just like getting to that place where we can have the messages of, oh, yeah, I used to love that or this idea of the knowing It's like, I love that, or this is how I would love to be, or this is, you know, the kind of person that I want to show up as in my life. And, oh my gosh. Okay. So that's so, so many wonderful insights. And I know the listeners are just going to get so much from this episode, but if there's one more thing you wanted to share, what would it be?
1: Hmm. I would say that one of the biggest things is to really learn how to extend grace to yourself in all of this. So while we're reinventing, while we're accepting ourselves, while we're training our brains to trust ourselves, there has to be some grace because if you're not, if you're living as a part of like a hustle culture and you're just like, go, go, no, that's not enough. Or you didn't do it. Or you didn't meet your goal or you, you know, you're a loser or whatever you're, you're doing to yourself you're kind of um, defeating the whole purpose that we're talking about. And so some days you're going to be tired, right? There are some times when I've been so emotional, like this past couple of weeks missing my daughter, right? That my, my exercise situation in the last couple of weeks has not looked the same as it typically can look. I have still done something, but very often it's slower, it's less time. Mm -hmm. It might involve crying. I mean, there's, So I just accept that, you know, I just allow myself to say, you know what, this isn't what I, what I would have liked to have done today, but I showed up and I did it anyway. It's like James Clear's story about the guy who shows up at the gym for five minutes every day, right? He just shows up and he just keeps showing up for five minutes. He hates going. And, And it's kind of like that, you know, like we are in a period of time where our souls are tired, where we are going through something and we are just stripped from the energy sources that we need to run our lives very, very well. We have to be able to accept what we can do. And so sometimes that means that I show up at the gym and I lay on the mat and I stretch, you know, for 30 minutes, that's what I do. Sometimes it means I'm killing it, you know, where I'm feeling strong and I get on the treadmill and I, I lift weights and, and then other mean times it means I go for a walk, you know? It's just, we just have to be able to extend grace to ourselves, not to the point where we're, letting ourselves off the hook all the time where we're not challenging ourselves. You know, there is a difference. There's a fine line and we have to know ourselves because we can all slip into that. Right. Yes. But (laughs) you have to be able to say, this is all I have today and that's okay. And then honor and respect yourself for even doing your part.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I can so relate to your daughter because my son moved away to BC and I'm like, oh my God, my heart. So I have a rule. I have to see him every quarter and we need to FaceTime at least once a week. Thank goodness mm-hmm. for FaceTime. I don't know how mothers did it before.
1: <laughs>
0: I know. Uh, so I share in that. And every time I drop him off at the airport, I'm like literally driving away and I'm like crying and just so like, oh, cause he's, you know, just so lovely to have around. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh. So many amazing suggestions here. And this idea of extending grace and yeah, showing up and doing your best, even though your best may not be stellar every single day, but then having grace around that. I mean, yeah, yesterday I I just, you know, I said, I think I should retire today. I think I should just go to bed because nothing was (laughs) working. It was one of those days. And it's just like, you know what? Yeah. But then you can also sometimes turn it around if the day's not going so well. And just like, you know, So I just, I love that you brought up this idea of hustle culture. Yes, we're so hard on ourselves at times and we're go, go, go and pushing, pushing, or I shouldn't be feeling this way, or I should be doing this. It's um, So this idea of accepting kind of where we're at and honoring it and extending grace to ourselves is that wonderful form of self-compassion, right? Being kind. So Oh my gosh, Shelby. I'm so grateful and thankful. Everyone's going to want to purchase your book recovering in recovery. And I love the title, by the way, it's so good. And also find it where you are. So I'm going to put all your show notes in the show notes, obviously all your links rather in the show notes so people can get a hold of you.
1: But um, yeah, what are you up to today? These days? So you can find me on my website. It's just shelbyjohncoaching.com. I have my own podcast as well called Confidence Over Women. It's very similar to yours and people can hear some recovery stories, the message of hope, and then also some practical tools to help them elevate their lives in a variety of different ways. Um, I offer a couple different things. I have some smaller ticket courses. I do coaching. And then, of course, I do therapy at my private practice. I do EMDR therapy. If you live in Maryland or Florida, I can see you for therapy. If not, you can come to me. I also offer EMDR intensives, which are very extended uh, therapeutic sessions. They're not better. They're just longer. So you get faster treatment. So it's over two or three days, full days or half days, um, people can come to me for that. And uh, if anybody wants any more information about that, I'm happy to share.
0: Yay. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, for being on the show and sharing your knowledge and experience and uh, your vulnerability as well. I'm so grat. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And, of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me not only today but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.